You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. For 32 years, a group called Prison Fellowship has reached out to over 9 million children of inmates through a program called Angel Tree. And so your church has been a part of that for years. In fact, next Sunday, there will be an Angel Tree party here. And so we're inviting 200 guests to come. And we will share gifts and Jesus' love in the gospel. And it'll be great. The goal is that we help people who are in families where there is incarceration be reconciled to their families and reconciled to God. And God is doing amazing things through it. And so I asked Judy Mills this week if there's anything else that is needed. And she said, yeah, we could still use good used or new coats for all ages, male and female, from... You know, little ones all the way through adulthood. And so if you want to drop off a coat at the north entrance sometime this week, the earlier the better, we would appreciate it. The other thing that she said to me that really struck me is that we have a prayer room that's open beginning at 1 o'clock next Sunday afternoon through 4 o'clock while they're all here. Our guests are with us. And she said we have people praying for individuals by name, and we want every person to be prayed for. And so if you want to stop by that prayer area and pray for 20 minutes or a half hour, an hour or whatever, feel free to do that. So it seems overwhelming, doesn't it, the, the task? But Prison Fellowship often quotes Mother Teresa who said, if you can't feed a hundred children, feed one. So there's this lady in our church, her name is Michelle Rainey. And Michelle grew up in a very tough situation. So when she finished her seventh grade in school, her mother said, you can't go back to school, Michelle. Her mother had a severe drug problem. She knew she was not caring for her children. Michelle's siblings, you stay home and you care for them. You need to work also. And so Michelle gets a job. She would get up as early as 4.30 in the morning, many of those years, get on a bus because they did not have a car, get her siblings to a daycare. And then she would go to work and work all day and come home and take care of her siblings at night, not allowed to go to school any longer. But there's this awesome program called Angel Tree. And there's these two people named Larry and Judy Mills who became a part of her life. And it wasn't just a one-week kind of experience. It was, we're going to be a part of your life. And they're like a mom to her and like grandparents to her children. Michelle had great academic ability, but was not allowed to go to school. And so as she grows up and she gets to know Judy, she decides, I'm going to school. And she becomes an RN and she works today at St. Anthony's Hospital. And this cycle has been broken. Isn't it awesome? And so this Thursday, Michelle is going to fly to Pittsburgh, where she'll be on this radio program called Keeping the Faith, talking about the difference that Angel Tree has made in her life and the lives of her children. Sometimes, sometimes we need God's help. And sometimes God helps us through people like Larry and Judy Mills. So you may be sitting here this morning looking at me saying, Rick, my story is nothing like Michelle's. My circumstances, my situation does not resemble hers. Some of you may be saying, my story is a lot like hers. But you come to church this morning... And you know what it is to need God's help. And so I've kind of been excited to stand up in front of you and say, 
So what is it you need God's help with this morning? What is your most pressing concern? What do you most need God to do in your life today? And I'm not talking about some silly wish list where I just want more and more stuff. I'm talking about what real need are you living with today. And you come to church and you want to worship, but you're just almost consumed with this need that exists in your life. So, let me come from a different angle. Suppose, suppose this week, this week, somebody said to you, Hey, wait a minute, you go to church, right? Yeah, I go to church. So you're like a Christian, right? Yes, I'm, I'm a Christian. All right, so I, I wasn't raised like that, so I don't really fully get it. Why don't you give me the short version? I mean, like, I don't want a dissertation. Just tell me, this season that we're approaching Christmas, what's it all about? What's the bottom line? You ever think you might ever say it this way? Okay, here's the bottom line. Here's the short version. Christmas is when God comes to help His people. That's what it is. <laughs> Christmas is when God shows up to help us out. So those aren't my words. I get those words from the Gospel of Luke. So if you would grab a Bible and if you would open it or take out your phone or whatever, you're going to find the text. So everybody, everybody that can get their hands on Scripture this morning, get the Bible out, open it to Luke, okay? Chapter 7, I'm going to start reading with verse 11. Okay, Luke chapter 7, I'll start with verse 11. I think you're going to really like the story. It's a story that I love. And there's a phrase in the story that I've drawn very excited about and want to share with you, okay? So here's the way the story unfolds. So soon afterward, and what that means is soon after Jesus was in Capernaum, he went to a town called Nain. So the word Nain means lovely or beautiful, okay? And his disciples and a large crowd went with him. So as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. So in reality, what it was was like a funeral procession, okay? The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So you learned a lot in that sentence. This lady is a widow. She's got one son, and now he's dead. And they're carrying him out in the funeral procession of town, okay? So a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said to her, don't cry. And then he went up and he touched the buyer. They were carrying him on. And the bears stood still. And he said, oh no he didn't. Oh, yes, he did, young man. I say to you, get up! The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe, and they praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. Read this next sentence with me. God has come to help his people. Read it again. God has come to help his people. Third time. God has come to help His people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So, when you turn your computer on or you open your laptop these days, do you find yourself reading news about what's going on as a result of the events in Ferguson, Missouri? I kind of do. 
And so probably most mornings over this last week, I found myself reading a little bit about what's going on. So I've been praying about it because it, it concerns me. I feel like our nation is, is becoming divided through this. And I feel like the un- enemy rather is using it to, to hurt us. And so, to be honest with you, though, as I prayed about it, I haven't felt very hopeful. But when I saw this picture, I felt more hopeful, and I wanted to show you the picture. Maybe you've already seen it, I don't know, but I thought I would throw it on the screen this morning and let you take a look at it. The little boy's name is Devante Hart. He's one of six adopted children. His mother is white. He is African American. And so his mom says Devante was really moved and concerned and emotional about what's going on in the country. And so they decided to go to a rally in their home city, Portland. And they took a sign, and Devante's sign said, Free Hugs. And his sister's sign said, You matter. You're important. And so they were standing at a police barricade about only 10 yards from the policeman and the policeman saw Dante's son and motioned him to come over. And so Dante went over to the policeman and he asked him some general questions about his life. And then he said, those free hugs, Dante, you're giving away. Could I get one of those? And so his mom said when Dante reached out to hug the policeman, emotionally he just collapsed. And you can see the tears in his eyes. And she said as a mom, it was the most staring moment I think I've had. I I think it's a picture we need to throw up on the screen. I I think it's a picture of hope. I think it's a picture of love. I think it's a picture of healing. I think it's a picture we need to show. You understand that when, when Jesus comes into this town of Nain, That his nation, the nation of Israel, needs help like our nation needs God's help now. That they were living under the heavy hand of Roman rule. But Jesus said, you got problems that are greater than those. You got heart problems. And I can heal your hearts. And so I get it. I understand that when I walk in church this morning that, that you've come in the doors and some of you are saying, Pastor, when you talk about needing God's help, I need God's help today. In fact, I prayed before I came here to preach this morning. I prayed, God, would you help somebody today find healing who needs physical healing? You know. And so I understand that there's people among us this morning that said, I never thought I would be here. I never thought that I would be fighting this disease in my life. Some of you are dealing with cancer, and many of you I pray for often. I just said, Lord, you know, you have the power to heal. I want you to heal somebody. Some of you feel like you're financially drowning. You cannot get your head above water. And you say, Pastor, it's wearing on me. I mean, it's keeping me down. Some of you are experiencing emotional pain, and you can't get beyond it. And you want to be free, and you want to live again. I want you to be healed. Some of you are struggling in relationships. 
And maybe it's somebody that you love and that relationship is in trouble or that relationship needs healing. Or maybe you're concerned about a son or a daughter or a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or a friend or somebody and you're praying for them and your heart's heavy for them. There may be people among us who are dealing with addiction and you just can't get free. And you realize that if anything is going to change, it's going to be because God does something powerful in your life because you've tried and you've not made it. Maybe it's a matter of somebody just saying, hey, here's my deal. Okay, it's sin and sin has a grip on my life and I can't seem to overcome the power of sin in my life and I want to be free. When, when you walked in the building today, did, did you notice that there are decorations around? Do you understand what season we're in? This is Advent. <laughs> Do you know what Advent is about? It's, it's preparing ourselves for the celebration. It's the anticipation of the fact that God has come to help His people. So i got really good news for you today. If you say, hey, I'm somewhere on that list, Pastor. I've got a need in my life i got some really great news for you because we're entering a season where we prepare our hearts to celebrate the fact that God has come into our world. He has moved into our neighborhood because He wants to help you. So, here's the story, okay? Jesus is going to this town, and the town is called Nain. He has left a place called Capernaum. He has probably traveled an entire day to get there. And so, as He is coming into town... He is coming with a large crowd. So this is interesting because something has transpired. Here's how it used to work. Jesus and his disciples would go into a town and they would try to minister to people, okay? People would come out to see him. Now something has changed. When Jesus and his disciples leave town, guess what happens? The crowd of people are going with him. And so they're like traveling in concert and unity with Jesus as he goes from town to town. And so now when Jesus comes into this town, it's not just Jesus and his disciples. It's Jesus and his disciples and this large crowd of people. They're traveling together. They want to be where he is. They're going wherever he goes. So as Jesus and this large crowd of people come into town, they meet another large crowd coming out of town. So you got these two masses of people that kind of bump into each other. The crowd that crash into Jesus are a group of people who are in a funeral procession. And so a widow is about to bury her only son. So let me try to just kind of take you into a little bit of history to show you what a picture of this would look like, okay? I really debated doing this. I wanted to have like somebody walking across the stage, a big crowd of people, and one of them or two of them playing flutes, people banging cymbals, and a bunch of other people just wailing really loud. I thought it would be very effective, but I didn't pull it off. (laughs) But that's what it was. You hired people to do that. And so you've got flautists and they're playing and you've got uh, people banging cymbals. The cymbals, I don't get it all. That just seems like an irritation to me. But that's what they were doing. And then you've got this large group of people and they're just wailing as loud as they can wail. And here was the deal. If you were really a good loved one, when someone that you loved died, the more noise you made, the more mourners that you could hire, the more respect you showed to the deceased person. And so, you know, when I'm driving and I run up on a funeral, I meet a hearse 
and a bunch of people with their lights on. Okay, let's make some noise. Turn those lights on. That's all we do. Not those guys. Even the poorest family, listen to this, even the poorest family would hire at least one flautist and one wailing woman. The poorest of families. She lost everything. In her world, when your husband died, and then your son dies, your only son, you've got no way to take care of yourself economically. All your stability is gone. Not only have you lost the loves of your life and companionship and people to do life with, but you have no way to support yourself. It's all gone. I kind of wonder, I kind of wonder, and I don't know. I wonder, am I looking at somebody today who says, I have been there. I came to a place in my life where I felt like I literally lost everything. I wonder if there's somebody in front of me that says, hey, I know what it's like to be homeless. I've slept in a car, Rick. I've been where that lady is. So there was this one day when, when Jesus was with his disciples and he gets news. It's really devastating news. And the news is that his first cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. They killed him. Cut his head off. Put it on a platter and gave it to a young girl who performed kind of an erotic dance in front of the king. Twisted, isn't it? When Jesus heard the news, it's like, whoa, uh, let's get in a boat and let's get out of here, okay, because there's a lot of people and I just need to get, find a quiet place. Here's what happens. As Jesus and the disciples are on the boat and they're trying to get him to a quiet place, the crowd anticipates where they're going. When they get off the boat, there's a crowd there to see Jesus. And I wonder what the conversation was like with Jesus and the disciples. I imagine they're saying stuff like this. Hey, 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 listen, man, you are hurting and you need some alone time and it's okay. The crowds will wait. Let's just find another quiet place for you. But here's what the Bible says happened. Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion. Okay, those are the words. He saw the crowds and he had compassion. And you know what he does? He heals their sick. And I wonder if Jesus said to the disciples, if they are hurting as bad as I'm hurting, they need somebody to heal them. And so in the midst of his own pain, he is so moved with compassion that he starts doing miracles. There's this other time where Jesus is with disciples and they've been teaching them and thousands of people have come and they're hungry and the disciples say, send them away, get them something to eat. But the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. We're not sending them anywhere. I'm going to feed these people. And he performs a miracle. And so when he and this large crowd bump into this other large crowd and he sees this widow at the funeral of her son, you know what the Bible says about Jesus? His heart 
went out to her. He was moved with compassion. Why does Jesus do what he does? Why does he help people like he helps them? Why did he heal blind people and make them able to see? Why did he see a guy who can't walk and said, Okay, you get to walk now. Why does he say to this dead kid, Get up! Because he's compassionate. And when he sees you and you're hurting, why does he work in your life? Because he's a God who feels. See, this is, this is nuts. Because in their world, okay, in the ancient world, here's the deal. So influenced by Stoic philosophy, which said God is basically apathetic. Crosses his arms, he's uninvolved, he just looks on. Because God doesn't feel. Why doesn't God feel? The Stoics would say God does not feel because if you can make someone feel... If you can make someone sad, if you can make someone feel compassion, then you can influence them. And if you can influence them, in that moment you are greater than them. Nobody is greater than God. Therefore, God cannot feel. And then God shows up with flesh. And he looks at this lady. And his heart just goes out to her. And he feels. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? And he says to the lady... Don't cry. We had five funerals this week. That was a lot of funerals. Holiday week and five funerals here. That's a lot for us. Can you imagine if Pastor Lewis or myself would have gone to one of those families who was like grieving over the loss of their loved one? And what if we would have said, don't cry? They would have said, like, give me a break. I'll cry if I want to. You know, somebody just died. Why would you say that? You know why Jesus said it? Because he has power over death. Okay? Don't cry. I'm going to make him live. And the greatest demonstration of power over death is when he himself was resurrected from the dead and he said, I want you guys to all share in this kind of life with me. So he goes over and he touches this buyer. You say, what's a buyer? It wasn't a coffin. They didn't put people in coffin in that culture. They laid them on this bed-like structure. It was probably made out of like, uh, oh, what's the word? I've just lost it. Uh, the weaving kind of stuff. Uh, you have furniture on your back porch. Wicker. There you go. Thank you, Melina. <laughs> probably made out of wicker. They would wrap the body in cloths and then lay it on this and they would bury them, put them in a the tomb or whatever that way. And Jesus walks over, and the people who are carrying the thing, they all stop, they stand still. And he touches, and he says, Young man, get up. (laughs) I would have been getting out of there, man, when that guy started moving. Would you? Oh, my goodness. I would have run like I was, you know, in trouble. And then it says, The dead man started talking. I'm like, Luke, please tell us what he said. You know, he doesn't even give us a hint. You know what? Oh, man, I've never slept that hard in years. Wow. What did he say? Was it some confession about who Jesus... What did he say? I don't know. I wish he would have told us. And then all the people begin to praise God and said, There is a prophet among us. And then they say something else. <laughs> when they said something else, it was big. It goes like this. 
Annette had surgery a few years ago, and she had this group of friends. Annette was like down for six weeks, couldn't really do anything, couldn't really be up. And man, this group of friends were awesome. They're like coming to our house every day, stopping by, bringing food, cleaning. And finally it got to where they would just say, I'll just stop by to see what I can do. Can I clean the kitchen? Can I take the girls somewhere? Can I, you know, help with something? You know, I hated it for Annette, but man, it was awesome for me. It was great. It worked out good for me. And I remember opening the door, just thought I'd stop by. Is there anything I can do? Can I help? I want to help. So, so, the words were probably spoken in Aramaic, translated to Greek. And in Greek, there are three words. You ready? First word, theos. Do you know what theos is? God. Last word, los, people. God, people. The middle word, episkeptomai. Kind of fun. You want to say it after I say it? Episkeptomai. First service outdid you on that one. I'll just be honest with you. Episkeptomai. You know what it means? Visit. God visits people. I love this stuff. And this is life-giving. God has come to visit His people. So you know what Christmas is? I love this. Christmas is when God stops by. Remember those people that came to my house when I had surgery? Christmas is when God stops by to say, I want to help out. I just thought I would stop by and see if there's something I can do. Christmas is when God stops by and says, I want to be of help to you. Can I help you in some way? That's what Christmas is. God comes to help His people. So God has come to help you. That's why He came. Here's here's the mind-blowing part of this whole thing. I love this part right here. Okay, this is great stuff. Listen to me, okay? You and I, we followers of Jesus, get to share, participate in, be a part of the incarnational ministry of God through His Son, Jesus. So what does that look like? It's, it's the Germans who stood up a moment ago and returned from Swaziland, and they say, you know what, we're going to go to Swaziland for a year. We just thought we would stop by to see if we can help out. It's when people go to Two Lakes and when people go to Midtown and say, we just thought we would come into the neighborhood and see if maybe there's something we could do to help. It's when you and I go to our own neighborhoods and to the people that God puts in our lives and say, we just wanted to stop by and see what we could do to help out. We get to be a part of that whole thing. All right, let me close up just with a couple of thoughts, okay? Um, I came to work on Monday and I ran into one of our pastors, Thaddeus Black, who is having worship services in this Two Lakes community at the food pantry on Sunday mornings. And I said to him, Thaddeus, did you have church yesterday at Two Lakes? And I kind of smiled and he said, Pastor, we had church Sunday at Two Lakes. I said, how did it go? Pastor, it was awesome. I said, it was awesome? Why was it awesome? And he said, Pastor, Sunday at Two Lakes, I gave the invitation. I give an invitation every week after I preach. And two women got up and they came and they stood in front of me to accept Christ as their Savior and be forgiven of sins. Two women. 
You liked that, didn't you? God has come to help us. And He has the power to meet our needs. Listen to this. He has the power to meet our greatest needs. And my greatest need is to be right in my relationship with God and to be reconciled to Him. And God has come to help us get that done. So what do you need God to do in your life today? What is most pressing? What help do you need? So it might be that you would say, Rick, I need to be forgiven of sins. I need to be right in my journey with God. That's my greatest need. This morning, He can help you. He's here. You may say, Rick, I'm good with God. My relationship, Jesus, has forgiven me and transformed my heart and changed who I am. But I'm dealing with some heavy stuff in my life. And I need God's help. And so whether it's physical healing or emotional healing or healing in relationships or financial struggles or whatever you might be dealing with, God has come to help. And so let Him help you. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing before we go. And we're also going to say this is a great time to come and pray. So we have altars. When you come, it doesn't mean that you join our church or become a member. Here's what it means. I found a place to pray. That's it. I'm just going to go down there and I'm going to talk to God. And there'll be pastors here and they would be glad to anoint you if you want to be prayed for for healing. They'd be happy to do that. If you're going through a tough time in your life and you just want to talk to God about it, if you need healing in any area of your life, this morning is a great time just to say, God, I'm reaching out. I know you've come to help me. And I'm opening my heart this morning and saying, I need your help. And so let's sing together and pray this prayer together. And if you want to come and pray, man, just come. Don't worry about what someone might think or should I go or shouldn't I go. If you want to come, come and pray today.
Feel free to join others in prayer if you like. Um, hang around if you like. We're going to sing a little bit longer. Um, as you go, please leave quietly, okay? Real quietly. And we'll just kind of have a season of prayer here. God bless you. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.